Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. All right, we're going to talk, uh, well, strangely enough, we're going to talk more cricket now. Uh, joining us on the line is SEN cricket commentator Adam Collins, and uh, Adam is brought to us by Anaconda. Play more, pay less with Anaconda's 10% price beat guarantee. Adam, thanks for your time, mate. How are you? Oh, very well, thank you. It's unusual to have a beautiful day in Melbourne where I am at the moment thinking, gee, this should be uh, the second session on day four. Mm. But not to be. Not to be. And um, I, I guess, look, would, would I be writing saying, and listeners, you might put your hand up at home, home as well, uh, are, we, are we enjoying um, picking over the pieces of what is uh, the carcass of, of England cricket at the moment? Are we, are we taking enjoyment out of it? Or is there a sense of um, more empathy and, and pity, in fact? I've been trying to work this out. I reckon it has a little bit to do with when you were born and thus what the rivalry was like at the time of your I guess, uh-huh. formative years. I reckon if you were a kid around 1986-87 when England thumped Australia in that series, then maybe you have a slightly sharper feeling about the English and maybe someone my age. My first memory of the Ashes is 1989 and all the way through, of course, until 2005. It was a, a fairly uncompetitive arrangement. So I never felt quite that hostility. And I think 05 changed things somewhat. But nevertheless, I, I think it might be a little bit generational. However, I just read a, a tweet from a friend who's, who noted that He'll never forget the sprinkler dance on the MCG in 2010. Uh, and thus, he's taking great pleasure uh, in Australia, sealing the deal in, in two and a half days this week, mm. uh, remembering back 11 years. And I'm sure Dougie feels the same way. Well, that's what I was saying, mate. Like, if we turn the beat around, if that was us in England, um, what would be happening right now, you reckon? Yeah. Do you reckon, do you reckon yeah. that the Poms would be, be, kicking us. Yeah, be twice as bad? What do you, what do you think, mate? <laughs> That's a good question. Look, I suppose the one distinction here is that cricket isn't the national sport in the UK. So yeah. uh, they, they don't quite have the same level of saturation coverage of it that we do here, with the exception of, you know, extremely high-profile events. So maybe uh, a thumping like this would, would warrant the full front-page, back-page treatment, so to speak. But, yeah, you're right that if there would be an enormous amount of enjoyment derived from English fans if, if they thumped Australia this way. In fact, I remember it in 2015. I was at... Trent Bridge when Stuart Broad took 8 to 15 mm. and Australia were all mm. out for 60 and England had a lead of about 200 at stumps on, on day one. Uh, they they, uh, they lapped it up that day, probably in the same way that, that most Australians are, are frustrated that there's no cricket. I do think there's an element of pity uh, for England because, well, you know, it was 5-0 in 06 07. It was 5-0 in 13-14. It was 4-0 in 17-18. And that's only because the Melbourne pitch was abhorrent uh, four years ago. Had it been a timeless test, that probably would have been 5-0 four years ago too. And I'd be flabbergasted if, if it isn't 5-0 this time. So it really does make 10-11 quite an aberration. Uh, the, the, the norm now is England getting thumped in Australia. And I, and I think there are some structural reasons and some environmental reasons that we can go into for that. But uh, it's made for a most uncompetitive series. It's, it's a good point you make too. I'm talking to Adam. Well, we are talking to Adam Collins, um, SEN cricket commentator, about how ingrained cricket is on, on the Aussie psyche. Mm. And, and, and whereas, and you've played a lot of a fair bit of county cricket over there, Doug. So yeah. You've spent time, haven't you? Yeah. Um, Kent, Kent and Worcestershire. Worcestershire, yes. So you know what, what it's like over there. Yeah. Cricket and cricket, and I spent 12 years in, in London, right? Yeah. So I yeah. know, I know the, the society and how it all runs over there, but cricket very much is more your county and um, your private schools in, in those sort yeah. of areas to, to an 
extent. Whereas yeah. here, very much cricket is the people's game. Doesn't matter what, what background you come from. As a yeah. kid, you we all play backyard cricket. Well, for us, it was footy in the winter, cricket, and cricket in the summer. So, and going forward with that, mate, like I, I said, and that's before, a bit of a generalisation. It, it is, but, a gen, but that's the way we see it, isn't it? Mm. But I've got to think. Did I must say that the groundsman with that wicket, um, Adam? I thought that was an unbelievable wicket, and I hope they keep making that wicket yeah. going forward because. I think you guys showed from last year to this year what was on the weekend, how it played. It's chalk and cheese. Matt Page has done an unbelievable yeah. job in the last three years. The pitch for the New Zealand test two years ago, the India test last year and this week. I mean, yes, there was a lot in it for the bowlers, 11 millimetres of grass left on top, um, which is always going to be an assistance to the seamers, and so it was on, on day one. Uh, but but still, I mean, you compare that to the way it was three and four years ago for that India test in mm. 2018 and the England test in 2017. They were they were diabolical wickets, and this is such an improvement. So uh, yeah, I think we can celebrate the idea that the MCG is a is a reborn venue uh, because of the surface, uh, and we are seeing yeah, it might be a shorter test match, and it's not ideal for a test to be over in two and a half days. But I don't I don't see that as being a function of the surface. I see that as being a a byproduct of how poor England's top order are. Do you, without getting too deep into, it, do we kind of do we kind of know what the guys did? Did they did they stay in the change room? We know they went on the ground and played some like family backyard cricket after you know. Were they they've been left alone, which is which is quite good, I think, because they've done well. Do we know what they've what they've done? Have they been out? Are they they keeping it pretty low key? Yeah, I think that they have to keep it low key because of the COVID implications at the moment. So there'll be no going out in the way that you would have celebrated Test Dougie when you had a week. Never mind. None Never of that me. at the moment. <laughs> uh, so, so, so I, yeah, I don't think they're, they're really permitted to have the kind of celebration that they would have otherwise. In saying that, um, they would have been at the MCG for a long time. Yeah. I was there for at least four or five hours after play <laughs> yesterday. And, 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 and actually, both teams were still there. So... Um, yeah, there, there's a lot. Um, the England team were training this morning. So, oh, wow. um, you know, at least some of them were. Uh, yeah. Interesting that point you made before about the, I suppose, the socioeconomics of cricket in mm. England. It's not, it's, not, it's not the main conversation right now, but I suspect it's going to become a bigger conversation. Look back at that team that beat Australia at Headingley in 1981, which is kind of a, quite a famous team under Mike Brearley. I think I'm right in saying that nine of the 11 went to government schools. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, I think one of the English 11 yesterday, Jack Leach, went to a government school. I don't think any of the others did from the top of my head. There, there is an issue here. Uh, You're saying government school is in England. public school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the distinction there being public-private, how we would call it, they, yeah. they use different language for it there. But the point is, is that the accessibility to cricket isn't anywhere near as egalitarian as it is in Australia. As you, You're spot on. Mm. Cricket mm. is the summer. Footy is the winter. For, for so many young people, and, and it's kind of always been that way and probably hopefully always will be that way over there it's not that way anymore and they need to find a way to clear that hurdle and and the hundred is being pointed at at the moment Mm. this is the 100 ball format that started this year as a as a symbol of what's wrong with english cricket right now putting revenue first and putting the red ball game second but here's the thing the hundred is the vehicle to find the new kids in the same way the big bash was in australia a decade ago Mm. so i mean there is method to the madness if you know what I mean. It's not as though they are um, tipping money into a new format um, in order to uh, diminish the standing of test cricket, but they have realised they've got a big problem with participation. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. With, with, good with point younger anyway. kids coming through uh, with, um, with uh, ethnic uh, communities. They, mm. they know they're not getting... I mean, you even look at the Afro-Caribbean community. I mean, Dougie, when you played in England, 
uh, through your career when you were younger coming through, there would have been a lot of black players. There are very few black players now in England. Um, there's an, yeah, it's a complicated, layered question, uh, which yeah, it has an intersection with white ball cricket, but mostly to do with participation. And that's the more structural side of it. And then there's the environmental side of it, where, I mean, my personal view was they never should have quarantined in Queensland, because by going to Queensland and insisting on the Gabba being the first test match after, um, after Don Perrottet uh, said that there would be um, no 14-day quarantine anymore, that was the perfect opportunity to get England here earlier and immediately uh, get them playing cricket mm. rather than having them uh, in a, in a, you know, effectively in a hotel for two weeks. So I think that that didn't help the situation. And then, of course, it started raining in Queensland and they had their tour game, which was just an intra-club, really, uh, get washed out. So terrible preparation, um, a year of bubbles uh, and, and a team which is nowhere near the mark has contributed to them being so bad at the time that matters most. Well, I suppose it does show, mate, because... They had two of their main strike bowlers injured, and then obviously we had a couple of injuries, and then you get a Scott Boland. So that there's the, yes. you're, so I think you're right. Like our, our backup system has proven. You've had Nessa, Richardson, and Boland. Two of them got Pfeiffer, and Nessa done a, a, a fantastic job. Um, yep. And yep. now, yep. The, and now yep. the problem is how, how who's going to who's going to be the bloke to say, "Oh, sorry, Scott, you're going to miss out," because I don't want to. I, <laughs> I don't want to be the bloke ten foot close to him. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's a classic good problem to have, isn't it? And look, they probably will look at playing bowling next week as part of uh, resting. I mean, the fact that they've played six seamers and all have done an exceptional job in the series. Yeah, of course, Josh Hazelwood would have played at Adelaide and probably Melbourne as well if he were fit. But yep. that opened the door. And then the Cummins close, co- close contact COVID uh, debacle meant that he uh, opened the spot up for Nessa. And, and so it goes. And Boland was an inspired horses for courses selection based on how well He's played at the MCG in recent years and, and it paid off big time. But you, you're right, like that, that depth that's there, England don't enjoy that. Their plan A for this series was, well, we've got three very fast bowlers, Joffre Archer, Ollie mm-hmm. Stone and Mark Wood. Let's bring them all out. And even though we've got a fragile batting lineup, maybe we can, maybe we can restore the balance by blasting Australia out and somehow it can be a close series. Well, when Archer um, was, was ruled out of the series mm-hmm. with his elbow, and when Stone did a stress fracture in his back in July, they were left with one fast bowler in Mark Wood, who's actually the most injury-prone of the three. So they have to manage him carefully. So they, they, they had no way of shuffling the pack to pull out another mm. fast bowler. So they had to go back to their tried-and-true veterans, who, by the way, I mean, Anderson bowled as well as he's ever bowled in Australia on day two. I feel so sorry for him uh, being so good and being so let down by his top order. Uh, at, at age 39, still leading the attack, which seems farcical, but, but uh, he, he's so fit and so durable, he can still do it. But it's not as though England has another fast bowler to pick. They don't have someone like Scott Boland on the shelf. They don't yeah. have someone uh, like Cameron Green, who bowls 145 as the fourth seamer. They do not exist in English cricket right now. And, and, that, and that is the question. Why don't they exist? And, and how can they, over time, uh, bridge the gap that's palpably there now, especially in Australian conditions? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think you're unravelling some of the problems that they are going to be um, searching for answers for in the coming uh, months, if not years. And it does appear it's it's down to depth. Um, and it is more a, a societal problem that they don't have the numbers coming through. And um, like it or lump it, I know it's a gen- generalisation, cricket over, over in the UK and England, in most parts, um, it is more seen as an elitist sport. The mm. broadsheet newspapers would be tearing them to shreds, oh. but but your tabloids, um, they don't talk too much cricket, you know? 
Um, just on Scott Boland there, and it, this is this is quite almost unfathomable that this man can take six for seven, an absolute <laughs> dream debut. But there is a chance he could be a one-hit wonder. I suppose there is. Look, I think that uh, on the basis of what happened yesterday, in all probability, he'll get another opportunity. I, I just can't conceive of a scenario where he doesn't get a chance somewhere. Remembering that Australia play nine test matches in Asia this year, and they will rotate the quicks because why wouldn't they? You know, you don't mm. you don't play back to back test matches in India if you can avoid it if you're a fast bowler, and they'll be mindful of that. Um, where he sits in the pecking order, that's not entirely clear to me, but. Jai Richardson is going to be a superstar. He took a five-wicket haul in the fourth innings last mm. week. Uh, Nessa is the is Nisa rather is is the perfect backup bowler, uh, and has proven that uh, having been in the squad for three years. And he's so highly thought of by his teammates. And I've watched a lot of training with the Australians over the last three years. And he is the bowler who invariably makes life toughest for players like Labuschagne and and Smith in the net. So he's rated very highly. And then Boland from kind of nowhere. Um, earns himself another chance at some stage. So I, I would be surprised if Stark plays at Sydney, not for any other reason than the fact that it's five test matches in six and a half weeks. Mm. And George Bailey said at the start of the series, he didn't anticipate that they'd be using their big three in all five test matches. And given that Hazelwood's missed two through injury, Cummins won through, we already mentioned the close contact with COVID, it would sort of add up to me that with the last test match being a pink ball match at Hobart, Stark is a pink ball genius. He's having the series of his life. He bowled unbelievably, mm. unbelievably well at Melbourne when it mattered most. And he could have been player of the match at Adelaide the week before with seven wickets. To my way of thinking, the logical thing would be if Hazelwood is fit for him to return and, and give Stark the week off. But, I mean, time will tell. That, that just seems to me a, a, an easy way to ensure that Boland gets a chance next week. And, and given the Ashes have been wrapped up in straight sets, I think they can... Um, show a degree of flexibility that they might not if it was one all. All right, Adam, mate, thanks again for taking a bit of time out to join us. I really appreciate the chat. Anytime, guys. Thanks, mate. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.